listeners, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, I am your host, Andre Hutchins, and this is episode 23 of Backseat Directors. And with me today, reprising his role as a guest host on Backseat Directors, is my dad. This is going to be his second review, and one that I actually wanted to do with him, and I actually give him his own spotlight since he had to share it with my brother on a previous episode. But dad, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Andre. Sorry it took so long to get this around, but here we are. (laughs) No worries. Um, For those of you who do not know my dad, he is a physician, and he had a very busy weekend uh, just with work and everything. So I'm glad you have some downtime now. uh, Gosh, I'm glad you have some downtime now, though, Dad. Probably more so me than you. Yes, yes, it is a work day for me, but I'm just taking a lunch break right now. <laughs> so, uh, so Dad, um, thank you for joining me again. I'm very excited to have you back on. Um, even though you have done a, a movie review with me, and it was actually our third episode, so it was, it was tw- uh, over 20 movie reviews ago, um, I'm going to give you a chance to just... Uh, we're going to, we're going to go through the guest questions one more time. Um, but we're going to kind of do rapid fire. All right. Sounds good. Now it's time for some get to know you questions. All right, dad. So, um, so here we go. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw them at you and we'll just do one word answers and, or, and obviously if it takes, if it needs more than one word, then just go ahead and do more than one word. But if our listeners want to know more in depth and detail, um, about your answers to our guest questions. Um, go back to episode three, our review of the shack, and you'll have all the details you need there. So, Dad, question number one: What is your desert island movie? Uh, the Matrix, and I say the original Matrix. I, I don't care anything for the sequels, uh, but I also cheated the last time because I said also Inception. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, they both, for me, uh, carry sp- uh, significant spiritual significance. So that's why. Okay. Question number two. What is your favorite movie theater snack? Uh, I believe the last time I said was popcorn, but I know that's taboo or uh, restricted. So <laughs> I would have to say milk duds. Yeah, it's, it's somewhat restricted. Somewhat restricted. If you were to ask Amy, then yes, it, it's definitely restricted. But <laughs> Okay. Question number three. What was the first movie that made you cry? I believe, and it's really hard going back, but somewhere in time, that's the one that I recall. Could have been before that, but that's the one I remember the most. With Christopher Reeves, right? With Christopher Reeves, yes. Okay. Oh, sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I was trying to think of the actress, but I can't think of her name right off the top of my head. Oh, I honestly don't know. Gosh, it's been years since I've seen that movie, but... um, Your Your mom would know, but... I'm not good with names for (laughs) actresses. No, that's okay. Okay, question number four. Do you have a favorite movie director or actor? Uh, I can't remember what I said before, uh, but I really like... um, uh, I'm sorry. Gladiator. What's his name? Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah, I really like him. I think he's pretty versatile and does a lot of wide ranging stuff. And I, I usually can buy into the character that he portrays. 
but that's a tough one. Yeah, no, it oh, is a tough one. And, and I actually do remember your answer. And it, it wasn't Russell Crowe, but I will accept both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was actually Harrison Ford. Do you remember? Really? Yeah. Harrison Ford? Yeah, they had, uh, he's a Harrison Ford. <laughs> he's good. He does, he's there, too. He's been around a long time. He has been okay. around a long time. And he's going to be. He's gonna continue to be around for a long time. You know he's going to play in a, another Indiana Jones movie. That's hard to believe because <laughs> I, mean, I remember the original Indiana Jones when it came out and that was in the early, that was like in the seventies or I believe, I believe it was seventies, it might've been early eighties. I, I, I think, I think it was 1981. I think early eighties. Yeah. It was yeah. It, late seventies, early eighties. I know that because I remember it came out, it was just totally different than, you know, things that we'd been seeing before that. Yeah. Well, there's been lots of rumors about maybe some, a new actor, kind of taking up the the indiana jones role you just kind of like how they've done with james bond you know they right just, right they, they, they recycle can, yes yeah it's just there he's always james bond but they get a new character they start new stories or a new actor i mean right. um but yeah that i i'm not sure if that's going to happen um anytime soon because yeah harrison ford is going to play indiana jones one more time I, at least <laughs> it's it's hard to hard to imagine him being that athletic or nimble we'll see <laughs> yeah we'll see if he's using his uh his whip to uh, uh careen across the uh, big old um what do you call it just cliffs and things like that <laughs> right okay dad last question if you could change the ending of any one movie which would it be and how would you change it oh i forgot about this one i can't remember what i said last time um Oh, I have to skip that. I can't remember unless you can tell me what I said. So, um, so you actually, I believe it was um, Unbroken. You, um, you wanted to change oh. Unbroken. Oh yes, yes. I mean, not change it, but extend it because they totally took away from the story because they didn't talk about his ex. You know his life after the war, after you know during in his recovery process. That's yes, yes. Yeah. And you're you're referencing the book, the book, yeah, the movie in reference to the book. I wouldn't change how it ended because I thought that it was okay, but it, they they gutted the whole end of the book, which I thought was sad. Right, right, because the the book is kind of it's kind of divided into three parts. You have the pre-war, you have his years right. during the war, and his. In, internment in a POW camp, and then you have post-war. Right, and, and they focused on the, the second. A little bit of the first, focused on the second, and almost it, gutted the third. Right, right, yeah. The, well, the movie ends after he's rescued and he returns home, and, and he's met he, he's met by his uh, by his parents at the airport, and that's it. Yeah, and that's just, like, that, that was the beginning of the story in many ways. Right, so. right. Well, I just remember when you recommended the, the book to me, um, I just remember you saying it's funny that the title of the book is called Unbroken because after the war, he clearly is a he's, broken man. Yeah, absolutely. He's a broken man. Yeah. Yeah. But he recovers. And that's the beauty of the book is that he ha- has a recovery. Yes. Which they totally did not uh, touch on at all, which is sad. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed the movie, um, but the the book is far superior than than the movie. I I do have to agree with that. Okay, well, Dad, thank you so much for the guest questions. Now let's go ahead and introduce uh, this week's movie. Backseat Directors presents this week's movie. 
And this week's movie is the much-anticipated Christopher Nolan movie, Dunkirk. Movie Details In the early stages of World War II, Nazi Germany is scoring quick key victories over French, Belgian, and British ally armies. After losing significant ground to the pressing German army, Allied forces are compelled to evacuate France before they are either captured or killed by the enemy. Allied command decides that the evacuation will be most successful in the French port town of Dunkirk. Defensive positions by the French and British armies are taken in Dunkirk to allow for the rescue of almost 400,000 Allied soldiers. Dunkirk takes place on many different fronts and and is only made possible by those serving and sacrificing on the beaches, on the sea, and in the air. Dunkirk was released in U.S. theaters on July 21, 2017, and it has a running time of a brisk 1 hour and 45 minutes. It's rated PG-13 for intense war experience in some language. So, you know, for, for this being a war movie, um, th- there is a, a significant amount of violence, but it's not bloody violence and it's not gory. So, you know, it, 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 I would definitely, I mean, it's PG-13, so it's not like on the scale of Hacksaw Ridge or Saving Private Ryan. It's much more tame for a war movie. However, though, there are some scenes that are, they can probably be somewhat frightening for kids. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably say age is 13 and up for this one. Dunkirk stars Tom Hardy as the Royal Air Force pilot Farrier, Jack Loden as Tom Hardy's wingman, uh, Collins, Mark Rylance as the civilian boat captain, Mr. Dawson, and Fionn Whitehead as Tommy, who is the main British soldier you see trying to escape from the beaches of Dunkirk. Also, uh, Kenneth uh, um, Branagh as Commander Bolton, and One Direction heartthrob Harry Styles plays the British soldier Alex. So this is actually the third Nolan movie to feature Tom Hardy, as he has also played in the 2010 film Inception and the 2012 movie The Dark Knight Rises as Bane. Um, this movie was written, produced, and directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, so Nolan, he has uh, really solidified his status as one of the best directors of this modern generation. He has written and directed many critically acclaimed films, to name just a few. Uh, there's Memento, The Prestige, Inception, Interstellar, and all of the Christian Bale Batman movies. Um, so the composer, the film score was composed by Hans Zimmer. And outside of John Williams, there might not be a more esteemed film composer than Zimmer. Dunkirk is actually the sixth Nolan-directed film that Zimmer has composed. Outside of his work with Nolan, Zimmer won an Academy Award and a Golden Globe Award for his original score of The Lion King. And he also won a Golden Globe for his score of the 2001 movie Gladiator. Dunkirk had a production budget of $150 million, and the weekend total sales in the U.S. box office topped $50.5 million. The current worldwide box office sales have Dunkirk at over $105 million. This is an incredibly successful first week for Dunkirk, having easily beat out Girls Trip and War for the Planet of the Apes. Okay, listeners, I want to just get a small factoid out there that I thought would be of service to all of you who are considering to see this movie in theaters. If you do go see Dunkirk, I highly, 
highly recommend uh, that you go see Dunkirk in an IMAX theater if you have one near you. And here's why. Christopher Nolan, uh, he is one of the leading advocates uh, for filmmakers in Hollywood for film over digital formats when filming. So for Dunkirk, Nolan used a 70mm IMAX camera to film. To put this in perspective, Dunkirk is only the third film in the last decade to be primarily shot and shown in theaters in the 7mm, 70mm format. So I do not claim to be an expert on cameras, filming, or anything related to that. But what I can tell you is that what I've uh, that I've actually always been a skeptic of the IMAX experience. Um, and I actually thought it, it's been somewhat overrated. Uh, but Dunkirk has changed my opinion on that matter. Dunkirk was one of the most intense and impactful theater experiences that I've had in a long time. Uh, and this movie is specifically made to be seen on an IMAX theater screen. So if you're wondering whether or not to fork over a few extra bucks to see Dunkirk and IMAX, I say do it. So now on to the review. Backseat Directors movie review all right dad so let's uh let's go ahead and talk about um before we actually talk about the movie though um i just kind of want to give some background though to some of our listeners about um just overall world war ii and what it's meant to you and and our family too just because i think it's um it, it is a it's a part of history i think that's well respected in our family and one that many of uh, your children have, you know, taken time to invest in and learn about and things like that, me included. Um, so I kind of want to know where your interest in learning about World War II began, because I know you've had family members, though, that did serve in World War II. Most of my uncles and your great uncles uh, served in World War II. And I had an uncle that uh, uh, did not survive the war. He died as a prisoner of war, and and so I never knew him, but I knew of him, and I saw pictures of him and heard stories of him before he went off the war. Right. Uh, but he he was a prisoner of war in Japan. Sir, sir, I believe he was in the Philippines when he was taken prisoner because he he survived the de- the famous but uh, death march, um, the, the Bataan death march, Bataan death march. Mm-hmm. Uh, he survived basically most of the war is a prisoner of war. It was toward the end of the war. He was being transported uh, from one prison to another on a ship. And that ship was not marked uh, as a prisoner of war ship. And thus a U.S. sub uh, hit it with a torpedo and sunk it. And um, the Japanese that were on that ship uh, were not very cordial to the prisoners they shot and killed as many as they could there were a few survivors but my uncle was not one of them and so that that's the history from a direct standpoint um but um i think world war ii has always intrigued me because it was as a young kid growing up there were a lot of uh, shows on TV regarding World War II, and so it was something I kind of grew up in, and it was much more uh, politically acceptable than the other wars that you know followed, such as the Korean War and the Vietnam War, because uh, it was just a world-encompassing war, and it was seemed to be a 
more clear defined who's the good guys and bad guys, so to speak. Um, I remember reading some books about World War II because I always felt a, uh, uh, some pride, so to speak, in being an American and the liberties that we had. And I wanted to instill that in my children. I, you being my oldest son, I think I spent more time introducing these things to you. And I definitely remember when the um, uh, uh, Tom Hanks um, made-for-TV Band movie of Brothers. series, The Band of Brothers, came out uh, that I, I know I... I'd had you read some books, historical books about World War II, which covered much of what those uh, shows uh, covered as well. And there was a lot of movies coming out and have been, you know, Saving Private Ryan. I just think it's a part of our American history that's extremely important for us to understand the sacrifices that were made uh, to keep the country going. And so that's kind of our history. And I think you and I have a... Uh, uh, you know, a connection in that regard because of how much, as I find more stories or books about that period that I find, um, you know, intriguing or fascinating, I share those with you. So, yeah. So, um, and thank you, Dad. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and those are stories that I have heard before, but I know some of our listeners would not have known. So I just wanted them to have a chance to know. Uh, and get to know uh, your side of the story as well. Um, for me, and, and I did kind of share a little bit about this on um, my podcast review with Mom and the Zookeeper's Wife, because Dunkirk is the second uh, World War II story movie to come out this year, and the Zookeeper's Wife came out, I believe, in March of this year, and that was another beautiful, um, absolutely exceptional story. Um, that I had never heard of before. So in, in that review, I gave a little bit of background as to how I became kind of introduced to it. But I, I just remember some of my earlier memories was in, I, I believe, 1996 was when Saving Private Ryan came to theaters. And I remember wanting to watch it. So I would have been 12, and we would have just been recently moved into uh, the house that you and mom currently live in. But um uh, I, I wanted to watch it, but it was a rated R movie, and uh, as good parents, you said no. <laughs> but I think I was pretty persistent, and I remember at the time, uh, the the there there's the book series called The Children of the Promise uh, that, that came out um, during that time, and it was a fictional family. So it's a historical fictional book. Fiction. It, it's because it's a fictional family, but it's all based on. Um, um, historical and actual events, Fact. you know, Correct. so they put fictional people in real life history, um, scenarios. And so, you know, like w one of the main characters, his name is Alex and, um, he being a member of the LDS church, he serves his religious mission in Germany. Um, and, but that's pre world war two and then world war two happens and he goes back home and he enlists and he joins the 101st Airborne Infantry, and he actually ends up going back to Germany. So there's a lot of cool, interesting, um, you know, tie-ins to there. But so yeah, so you told me. I remember you said read all the books, and then you'll let me save, uh, see Saving Private Ryan. And I think there are six books in that series, and it took me a while to get through them all. So I don't think I actually got to watch Saving Private Ryan until I was maybe 13 or 14. Um, but by that time. Um, the 
interest, um, you know, and just a desire to know and learn more about World War II and what happened was definitely instilled in me. And so, yeah, so when Band of Brothers came out on HBO, I think I was either 15 or 16 and it came, it was once, once a week for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 weeks in a row. And it was always Sunday night. And so, yeah, I remember sitting down with you and watching, you know, a new episode every night and Band of Brothers is about the 101st airborne infantry. And yeah, so it was, it was really cool kind of already knowing that story and the background of that story and then watching, um, band of brothers with you. So, um, but I, I definitely, I definitely owe it to you though, for, you know, kind of getting me started on, you know, just wanting to learn more about just that incredible event that took place over the course of, you know, numerous years, uh, during the thirties and the forties that involved so many people. And so, um, you know, I, I'm I'm really excited to talk Dunkirk with you. Uh, I invited you to do this movie review with me just because I know what World War II means to you and to your family as well, and to Grandma's brother, your uncle. And so, so yeah, so I just I, I'm glad we we get to talk about Dunkirk. So, um, and the fact that it's Christopher Nolan, <laughs> <laughs> who I think is probably probably one of your favorite directors. I, I, I at least I take it just because of Inception, at least yes. just uh, Inception alone. Um, so, but Dunkirk is kind of, uh, it's kind of outside, outside of what Christopher Nolan is known for doing, you know? So Christopher Nolan, he's done, he did all the Batman movies with Christian Bale. Yes. Um, but he did a lot of other original stories that he, both he and his brother wrote themselves and then he directed. So the prestige, um, uh, and I think one that I actually Samantha recommended to me and I recommended to you was Memento. Um, I've I, not I, seen that uh, one. Yeah. So, and Dunkirk actually has um, some type of similarity to Memento to where you, uh, different scenes of the movie take place at different times and it's continually, it's either a flashback or, or moving forward in the future. And then it comes back in a different time where, so you're, the scenes are kind of reoccurring and it can be confusing at times. So you have to pay attention, you know, I, I, I'm sure you caught that while watching Dunkirk though. Yes. It took me a while. At first I thought there was some inconsistencies, but then toward the end of the movie, I was starting to, uh, probably the latter quarter of the movie. I finally was starting to be able to put it all together of what was going on and why there seemed to be, seemed to be inconsistencies. Right, right. Um, so I, I guess I, I want to know, da- though, Dad, your feelings um, or your thoughts leading up to Dunkirk. Did did were you familiar with the story? Were you looking forward to this movie? Um, just kind of tell me, I guess, your anticipation leading up to the movie. I had the name was familiar to me. The story was not familiar to me. After they announced the upcoming release, I did do some reading and research to get become familiar with the movie uh, to just understand more. Because, I, like I said, I just the name is something that was familiar to me. Um, so, um, from that standpoint, I was anything related to World War II history. I, I'm in, always intrigued by, and so that's that was my what I knew about it. And I wasn't, you know, I was, I was anticipated, uh, anticipated a lot. I always like seeing these th- movies. 
Yeah. And so for me, I, I, I kind of had a, a different um, approach to the movie because I was completely unfamiliar with the story of Dunkirk. And so I, I was excited to learn about something that I did not know about previously, um, you know, as it relates to World War, uh, World War II history. And I, I, I was very, I was very tempted to do what you did. And that's, you know, just kind of look, um, look up the, the details, the history, the facts, uh, just about everything revolving around Dunkirk, the battle of Dunkirk, the evacuation of Dunkirk and everything. And so I, I steered clear of, of doing that research before the movie, just because I, I was wanting to be surprised. But, uh, but after seeing the movie, I've done <laughs> so much reading on it. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in, in the sense that I was very excited to see this movie. Um, not just because it's Christopher Nolan, even though I really do enjoy his movies, just the fact that it was another movie to depict something out of history and as, especially as it relates to World War II. So, um, so I know you and mom went to go see it this past weekend, I think on opening night, Friday night. Um, you guys saw it in an IMAX theater? Right. Yes, we did. That yeah. was the first time I've ever been to an IMAX. Oh, really? So, yes, that I'm that I can recall. Oh, okay. So I and um, I actually I'll explain that, or I would have already explained this in the movie details. Um, just uh, why this movie was unique uh, to an IMAX theater, and and that Christopher Nolan um, he specifically filmed this movie in such a way that it would be optimized in an IMAX theater. And so there's there's a lot of things about it that I don't understand just regarding the type of cameras he used, uh, specifically that he Christopher Nolan is a big advocate of using actual film instead of digital when they're filming. Oh. And um, and so and these and, and the size of camera that he used and everything that goes into it, it was specifically formatted to be seen on an IMAX theater. So obviously you can go see it at any other theater and you'll be able to watch it, you know, on your own home screen when it comes out. But um, but you know, this, this was something that was specifically made for an IMAX theater. So I'm actually glad you and mom went to go <laughs> pay a little bit extra money to go to the IMAX. <laughs> we did pay extra money, but I, you know, I, I, like I said, I would not go to see IMAX all the time, but I thought this movie was worth seeing it, you know, because it had been kind of developed for that intent. So I thought it was worth the, the, the extra price. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't think I even suggested you guys go to NIMAX. I think you guys did that on your own. So kudos to you and mom. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think I've seen maybe four or five movies in an IMAX before before Dunkirk. So not not too often, and and you, it, probably just because of how you know more expensive it is than just a normal movie. But um, I'm I'm definitely glad I saw it in IMAX. So. Uh, I want to know though what what were I guess your yours and mom's initial impression of the movie after you guys finished seeing it. The the movie or that just the IMAX experience. Well, both both. Well, I was very pleased with the IMAX. I mean, it's uh, you know, if you want to just throw yourself into a movie, that's one way to do it. I mean, the, <laughs> the screen is huge and the sounds are just you know enormous. I guess would be the word. Yeah. Uh, from a. Um, your mom and I have not talked a whole lot about the movie, um, but my I, I enjoyed the movie. I was not overly 
blown away by the movie uh, for, and we can discuss that uh, for a variety of reasons. Okay. All right. Well, um, um, so, okay, well, let's go ahead and just jump into it then. Let's, let's go ahead and hear what you had to say about the movie then. Um, you know, obviously the, it took me a while to segregate. I, I don't mind jumping, you know, around between the three storylines, but the fact that, you know, they do tell you in the very beginning, although they're not explaining what it is that, you know, the, 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 the the evacuation is taking a week. The uh, dog fight is taking an hour. The um, uh, what was it that was taking a day? Uh, oh, the oh, sea. The, the the sea rescue right was it was taking a day, and so it's you know it's it's just it's it was difficult for me, especially not knowing that's what they were going to do to keep track, not to keep track of the the stories because you know the stories are the stories but to keep track that one is taking place over a week one's taking place over a day and one's taking place over an hour so that was a little i didn't, I didn't think i really enjoyed that i mean i i, I just I, I didn't particularly care for that um the my main critique um is that I didn't really feel connected to just about anybody in there. I'm not even sure I even knew anybody's names in there. Right. right. And um, I just felt like there, to me, a story has power when it becomes personal, when it's a personal story. And to me, what I felt the movie did is just kind of told a story and depersonalized it all. They were just uh, more like shadows to me. The people were more like shadows uh, than they were people that I could make any connection with, and, I, and that's that's why I was disappointed. So, th- th- and that's actually one of the biggest critiques that I've I've seen and read uh, since the movie has been released was um, the the lack of uh, deep characterization of you know I guess what would what would be termed as the main characters, even though, yeah, you probably won't remember their names while you're watching the movie or even after the movie. Um, and, and I, and I do see your point and, and I think it's very valid just because I think the movie, um, was, it, it just was created in a different kind of way. So it's not like, it's not like Hacksaw Ridge. It's no. not, it's not like it follows one character that you get to know on a very intimate basis and, all the different trials that that one person goes through. Or even, you know, I mean, you know, even the Hexaw Ridge, yeah, you have the main character, but you, you start to get a feel for other characters that he's interacting with. And in this movie, uh, the only people that I ever felt even the minutest amount of connection was to was the pilot. Oh, Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah, Tom mm-hmm. Hardy. And the captain of the, 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 the the father civil, the father the civilian, civilian boat. father captain yes. of that one boat yeah that'd be um, Mr. Dawson yeah see I couldn't even tell you his name yeah um and um that was it that was it I would have and um, and there was no postscript which I really in in these type of movies I really like a postscript but maybe that's just kind of the whole thing you're not really connected to anybody I mean but I would like to have known a little bit more what happened to these people that we saw. 
you know, what was the end result of the, you know, the pilot? Well, you know, did he survive the war? I mean, did he not survive the war? Did he eventually succumb to, a, you know, a dogfight? Uh, what about the father? And so many things, so many things. I don't want to give me spoilers, but. Uh, right, right. Well, so, okay. And so, and just because I've, I have seen the same, um, um, you know, just kind of, I, I guess, critiques on the movie from other people that that have written their uh, written their reviews. Um, I, I've tried to f- think about why maybe I didn't feel exactly that way too. Because because, I, but I, I'm I fully agree with you. I, I, there was a, a huge lack of you know deep personal character development with those that you would consider to be the main characters, those that you see on screen the most. You know, and, and there is confusion, uh, and I think that's something that the listeners, if you haven't seen Dunkirk yet, that you need to be aware of going into that movie is that the movie takes place in three different venues. There, there, the soldiers, the Allied soldiers, um, who are in France on the beaches of Dunkirk, who are trying to escape, you know, and, and cross the English Channel to get back to England. Uh, there are um, so so, and, and they call it the Mole, and I think the Mole is just a reference to the beach port. Um, Correct. To, to where all the the soldiers are gathering, so you have that as one of the fronts. The second front is you have the sea, so you have all of the civilian boats um, who are either commandeered by um, by uh, British naval officers or um, volunteered uh, volunteer civilians who are captaining their own boat. Uh, and crossing the English Channel to go rescue soldiers. So that's the second front. And then you have the third, which is the air. So you have uh, the Royal Air Force who are providing support and cover um, for you know the boats who are making their way across the channel. And so and, and there are there are pretty much three main characters that you follow. Um, one one soldier um, from the beaches of Dunkirk, the mole. And then you have Mr. Dawson with his son and his son's friend um, on the sea. And then you have Tom Hardy who plays the pilot in the air. And um, but but no, I, I agree. I, and I think I, I obviously I think Christopher Nolan meant to you know write the film in this way to where there really isn't much character development. Um, and so what I thought about is that I I think. I think what was intended, though, is that the character itself is the story. It's it's the evacuation. It's what happened, and and it's, um, and it's a chance to put you, the viewer, into that situation. And so, and so, what I mean by this is, any time it would switch from whether it's on the beaches or the sea or the air, I felt like I was with whoever it was focusing on. So if it was on Tom Hardy piloting his Spitfire, um, you know, fighter, fighter plane, um, I felt like I was in the cockpit with him or I felt like I was on the boat with Mr. Dawson rescuing soldiers who, you know, are, are in the water. Um, and so it just, I, I think, I think what was intended from the movie is to just put the audience there. What would have it been like for you to be there in such a chaotic experience? And and so for me, I think that's why I gave it a pass because it, it is. It's a very different movie from what you would expect, you know, from a war movie. It's not like Hacksaw Ridge. 
It's not like um, saving private, saving private Ryan, right? Or letters of know, Iwo Jima or Jima, flags of our fathers, right? Right, where you I'm, get to know characters very personally. Well, because I th- this is for me, it, this you know, war is very personal. Yes, you know, people. I mean, you hear that you hear the the saying. You know, when it comes down to it, in the heat of the battle, you're not fighting for country. You're not fighting for government. You're not fighting for what you're. The only thing you're fighting for is the guy next to you. That's what you're fighting for. That's what it comes down to. So it becomes very personal for the individual. And obviously it's personal for the people that aren't at the front lines, but the people that are at home and, and always concerned about what's happening to their loved ones on the, on the fight, on the fighting lines. And so I've never really seen a movie, all the movies I've ever seen, you, you get that connection, that deep understanding of the sacrifice and the fear and the the chaos and the turmoil that goes on in the people's minds and how they can be, you know, seriously wounded and affected after going through such experience. And in this movie, I just didn't, it was just totally different, totally different. Like I said, I didn't not, it wasn't that I disliked the movie. It just wasn't what I was anticipating. And I came around going, huh, you know, I don't know. I just, it wasn't what I was anticipating, and it, I, 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 I thought it could have done more. That's that's, that's all. Well, I, 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 again, I think it's a very valid critique, and one that I actually had written down anyway, even though it's one I've tried to justify. <laughs> I've tried to, <laughs> and I, I have not read any anybody anybody's reviews. I mean, about the movie. I mean, obviously, what little reviews I read before you see the movie, you know, I would peruse, and it had more than that it was very glowing. So right. Because there, were, there was a lot of high recommendations, and so I was anticipating to just really be moved by it, and and I can't say that I was moved. That's, yeah, yeah. You know. So, uh, and again, like if anyone's expecting a movie to be, you know, or I guess a more recent comparison would be The Zookeeper's Wife, which is another World War II movie. You know, you get to know Jessica Chastain's character and her husband. Uh, yeah, on a very intimate level and all the experiences that they go through during the entire six year duration of the war in Poland. And I never um, I never knew I never heard that story before. And so when we see the movie, I mean, after the movie, I was moved. I was like, I've never heard of this story. And it is a fascinating, remarkable, moving story. And so, you know, I guess I was looking to feel something like that with Dunkirk, you know, a story that I was not familiar with, something I knew little about. I was expected to say oh another great story but i came around going it's a great story i just didn't feel it so uh, so you've already covered my own critiques and so uh, is there anything else that you want to i guess uh kind of critique the movie on before we go on to our highlights um no that's that, that's my main critique just the lack of connection okay so i'll, I'll go ahead and give you my highlights and uh, and then you can share uh, with me what you thought and then maybe if you felt the same way so okay so for me I, I think I may have enjoyed the movie it sounds like more than you did um, but the so uh, even though um, World War II has you know come and gone and it seems like it's been you know a millennia since that war has passed um the repercussions from that war continue today and how it has affected, um, 
you know, nations all around the world. And, you know, to think, to think that Germany was once divided, uh, you know, not more than, uh, I guess, 25 years ago, that in, in the nineties, in the nineties, 1990s, that there was still a wall that divided, you know, East Berlin from West Berlin and, you know, that it was occupied by the Soviet Union. I, I mean, th- these are these are things that that have had long lasting effects. And so um, I think my my biggest enjoyment of the movie is that the that these stories are getting they're still being told. And and I think it is so extremely important that these stories continue to be told, just like just for one of the reasons why I just love the zookeeper's wife, because these these are these are stories that could easily get lost in time and yet i i am so appreciative of those who are willing to take the time to write the books or to make the movies to tell these stories of such significant events that happened in our history and that have shaped the world ever since and and so uh, you know i was like i said before i was unfamiliar with the story of dunkirk i i knew i knew obviously that um, before the U.S. entered into Europe, um, you know that the Allied forces were already fighting. That the uh, that the British and the French and the Belgians and and you know so many other countries were already putting up a fight against uh, Nazi Germany, uh, and yet um, you know the Germans the Germans moved with such ferocity and such quickness that it, it really caught everyone off guard. And so um, I knew that they were going to have to eventually return to England and escape from uh, from France because France had been overrun. Um, but I was excited to learn about this story. And, and, I, and for me, I, I think I did learn a lot. And so that's those are some of the biggest takeaways that I had from the movie. But I think one of my, and I already, and I already said this, um, one of my biggest enjoyments of the movie was how I felt like it transported me into those events with those people. And so if you were a soldier on the beach, there's almost 400,000 allied soldiers that are trying to escape. Right. And, and there was so much chaos uh, happening at the time that you probably easily got separated from your group, from your own, you know, overseeing commander and the people that you were with were probably people that you had never met in your life. And so as you maybe felt a stranger to the characters in the movie, um, those those uh, those own soldiers probably felt strangers to everyone else around them. Uh, and, and it showed that in such a way that I felt like I was there with them. And so that's one of the things I really, really enjoyed about this movie is I just felt like it fully transported me into those scenes with those people and experienced what they were going through. And so, um, those, those are some of my biggest take takeaways. Um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, just the, the, I guess the detail in each scene, um, especially gosh, those dog fighting scenes with Tom Hardy, um, oh man, th- those are some close encounters and, <laughs> and, and some things that I, I think would just, would just, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have the nerve or the gall to, to be a, a pilot and be in those types of situations. But, um, th- those are some of the things I like most about the movie. So dad, let's, let's hear what your highlights were. Um, I'm, I'm a, my highlights were the, the dog fight. I, I agree. I, of all the of the three scenarios, that one 
I got pulled into the most because you you do get to take almost take on his identity and just it you know but his he has a mission and he's and he's gonna he's gonna put a lot on the line and make a lot of sacrifices and sacrifice that could cost his life in order to to carry out fulfill his mission which is to protect uh, the Allied soldiers uh, from attack and the ships. He he knows that his life is but one, and the lives that he could save are many. And so he is going to make that choice. And it's a I, I, that was my highlight. I, I, I enjoyed that the most. Uh, the second highlight would be the the, the civilian ship's captain because um, his his compassion. Toward the the one soldier he picks up, yes, um, yeah, and 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 yet, uh, as he he doesn't argue with him, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get into confrontation with him, even though he has many reasons why he could or should. He 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 understands him. He understands his his personal turmoil and and struggle, and thus he he chooses against insurmountable odds to to stay the course because he too understands that uh, there is a job to be done. And it's, yes, he is not personally assigned to it. He's not in the military, but he understands as a human being, as an, as a, as a Englishman that he has a duty to, to do what he can for this effort. And that this opportunity, uh, yes, he could just let it pass by, but the, the result could be that there may not be any other opportunities after this one. Right. That he could easily rationalize. This is not my duty. I'm not, I'm not a military officer. I'm not part of the Navy. You know, I, I, I don't need to do this. Right. And, but he understands, he says, uh, and he tells the young man, uh, we have a job to do and that's what we're going to do. Right. Right. And just very matter of fact and, uh, and sacrifices are made. Right. Sacrifices are made. Yeah, no, there, there, and and I, I'm totally, totally with you with um I, that my deepest connection that I felt uh, was made probably with Tom Hardy the pilot and next the you know, uh, Mr. Dawson the civilian yes. boat captain, um but yeah so uh, again not to give any spoilers away but they're they're it's made very um evident early on uh, when Tom Hardy and his uh his wingmen are crossing the channel to go give protection to uh all the boats crossing the channel that these these spitfire uh fighter planes don't have a lot of (laughs) they don't have a lot of gas you know that their that their tanks are only so big and i think i think i looked it up i think i said that they had a maximum flying time of two or three hours tops and and that's all that they had and so so you figure maybe an hour to get there an hour to get back so that gives them maybe an hour Right, to of provided cover. A, a cover. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so, um, but it's made it's made very evident that they are using up a lot of gas just from you know all their dogfights that they're getting in, and that Tom Hardy is going to have to make a choice, and you know whether or not that is to turn back and to save himself, or to can you to uh, to continue his mission, to continue to fight, to continue to provide 
you know, cover for those who need it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed those parts of the movie. Uh, th- those were probably, I think some of the more, more emotional ones, uh, at least the ones where you could, you could feel the conflict within these, these people and trying to make these decisions. Right. Um, but I, I think, um, one of the, um, I guess more emotional scenes is when the civilian boats start arriving, uh, at the beaches of Dunkirk, you know, just, just the music that is playing at that scene. Um, the overseeing Naval commanders who are on the docks trying to organize, you know, this huge effort. Um, and you know, just what it means to them for all these, all these civilians who, you know, who easily could have said, no, said, no, I, I'm not a soldier. And, and yet they, they came. And so, sure. yeah. Um, okay. So those, those are my highlights. And, uh, was there anything else, um, that you wanted to share? No, I mean, like I said the pilot, then the ship's captain and, and then a distant third, because uh, the, the whole evacuation really follows just a few characters. And, uh, I don't know. Um, I just never really get, got much of that. Although that's what Dunkirk is all about is the evacuation. Right. And, right. and that, that seemed to, for me, just be kind of down on the list of things that I really connected with. Yeah. And so, and just to, I guess, put this in perspective, you know, so you really only get to follow one civilian boat and those who are, who are, you know, I guess, uh, manning that boat. But, um, there were over 700 civilian boats who, went into service to go, you know, help rescue the soldiers. So just puts into perspective how many people, you know, volunteered and, you know, sacrificed really to, um, to go back because I think so. And I read this on Wikipedia and I'm trying to remember the, all the stats, but I think it said over 700 boats volunteered and over 200 of those were sunk, you know, so not everybody made it back. Um, so, okay, Dad, let's go ahead and finish this up. Well, I have a, I have a question for you since okay. you've re- done some reading on this. And this is, you know, things that just weren't answered for me by the movie. Uh, they talk about that, uh, that well, they, you know, the, the ships, that one private ship, uh, obviously that takes place in a day. But were these, were these private vessels, were they just doing one day trip and then that was it? Or were they going back day after day after day? That's what I never yeah, got. Feel yeah. So, for. so there were some that only made a one day trip. And, and, and what I read said that it depends, it depended on how, how the seas were. It could take, it could take anywhere from three hours to cross. Cause it's like, I think it's like 35, 36 miles to cross the channel from where they're at. But the thing was, is that, um, there were, there were U-boats that they had to look out for. There were mines, tons mm-hmm. and tons of sea mines, you know, ocean mm-hmm. mines in the water. Um, and, and there were, you know, just a lot of obstacles that made the trip a lot longer. So some only did one day trips or, you know, just one there and back. Some made multiple. I, I, I read one that said there was a, a, a yacht, kind of like a pleasure cruise boat um, that made six trips and rescued over 7,000 men. Hmm. And, and so, yeah, so it just, it just varied. It, it varied. Right. And so it was that, it's like stuff like that. I would just, I would like to have more information derived from the movie, which, right. which it never really got. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Okay, Dad. So uh, one one last thing that I've added uh, kind of new into these reviews is the last thing I just want to talk about before we go into our recommendation are some of the messages and themes that you took away from this movie. Um, so if um, I'll I'll go ahead and share mine, um, and then I'll let you end, and you can have the final words. But um, so for me, uh, what I took away most from this movie is what war does to a human and what it brings out because in the movie you will see that there are soldiers who who are um very selfish and 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 express a lot of cowardice in their actions and that war sometimes brings out the worst in us that we we instead of instead of looking outward we look inward for self-preservation and trying to save ourselves and and so you see that side and you get to experience that with those who are desperately trying to survive and save themselves. Uh, and then you see the opposite. You see those who are willing to give everything, uh, to give their own lives in order to help others survive. And and so I just, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I appreciate these types of movies the most, uh, specifically war movies, is because you get to see what um, I would hope I would be able to show if I was ever in those situations is, you know, when we are called upon, will we do our duty? Will we do what is asked of us and what um, ultimately what, what God requires of us? And that is to sacrifice, to give of ourselves, to look outward and not look inward and to, um, I guess what, what the, uh, New Testament would say is that no greater love ha- uh, hath man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. And um, and so uh, th- those were the biggest messages and themes I took away from this movie. What about you, Dan? Um, I would agree with you 100%. And I think, you know, the proof of the pudding is that those that are making those the, the correct choices, uh, that they are putting their, you know, they're sacrificing. They're sacrificing their life or the life of loved ones. Those are the ones, at least for me, they stand out. Uh, the the soldiers that are acting in a very selfish, self-centered way, where they're just mainly looking for self-preservation, uh, they just become, you know, at least for me, they were just uh, shadows on the screen. I never, you know, they just, they don't stand out in any way, which is interesting that, when we, when we, which is, you know, the, really how the gospel works is that when we become the more, the more self-centered and self-introspective we become, the smaller we become. And the more outward thinking and more uh, uh, outward viewing that we become, we become a bigger individual because, you know, we're a, small packages, you know, make for small things. So, yeah. Um, well, well, thank you, Dad. I, I think those are great words to end our review on. And so let's go ahead and uh, um, do the final segment, and that is our Backseat Director's Recommendation. Our Recommendation. Okay, Dad, so um, what is your recommendation to the listeners who have not seen Dunkirk yet? Is this a go see it? Is it a maybe wait? Meaning it's worth seeing, but you maybe could have waited until it came out to video. Um, or is it a no-go? I'm I'm a little torn. Um, having seen it on an IMAX theater, I really think that if you were to see it on you know a small screen or a TV, uh, the impact would be even less than what it was for me. 
And so I I would recommend that you see it on a big screen. If you can see it on IMAX, I think you'll you'll be able to get more out of it in that format. Um, um, it's not the best, you know, movie, you know, World War II movie I've you know seen, but I would I would recommend that it's worth seeing and worth seeing it on a big screen if you're going to see it at all. Well, I'm right there with you, and yes, in spite of uh, Dunkirk's flaws, um, I I do think that this movie is worth seeing in theaters, and I do also think that it is worth forking over the few extra bucks to go see it in an IMAX theater. And so, um, so we have two go see it recommendations. So um, that sounds pretty pretty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dad, thank you, thank you so much. What do you think? Well, thank- I thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. It's been good. Um, I, I enjoy listening to your podcast, but, you know, enjoy, especially World War II movies. I like giving my input. So, Well, thank you, Dad. I appreciate it. And uh, sorry for the long extended weekend, but I'm very happy we we're still able to do this podcast. And it was a pleasure. So thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, Dad, just one last thing. If our listeners, if they want to reach out to you, if they have any questions... They want to talk more World War II history or Dunkirk with you. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, best is my email, uh, hutchmd at nvbell.net, which is H U T C H M is a Mary D's and Dog, at N is Nevada, N V is a Nancy Victor, uh, Bell, B E L L dot net. Well, thank you. And listeners, you know how to get a hold of us. And if you don't, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And that's at the BD Podcast, BD for Backseat Directors. Um, thank you for listening to our episode review uh, or our movie review of Dunkirk. And thank you for downloading today's episode. Make sure you can stay up to date with all of our episodes and latest podcasts um, by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean or Stitcher and really there are so many other ways you can find our podcast but those are the main ones and be sure to leave us a rating uh, I very much appreciate hearing your guys' feedback and uh, uh, leaving leaving us a rating on iTunes uh, would love to see those five stars but whatever you think this podcast is worth and just remember if you want to be a backseat director with me and co-host uh, um, uh, uh, the show just like my dad did today um, just let me know and uh, let me know what movie you are planning on seeing I'll let you know what I'm planning on seeing and We'll have you on the podcast. So again, uh, thank you, Dad. Thank you, listeners. And we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Director's theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Beatty Podcast.